This is it. The episode we've all been waiting for. Solstice Slam. Solstice Slam! In all of its glory. Let's get to it. I said let's get to it! Wait, before I start an hour-long kazoo solo, I did want to talk about some things. First of all, the next Solstice Slam I decided to do in about 40 weeks' time. That'll put it right around November 4th, which is the week before Veterans Day. That way we can honor some vets, and there'll be plenty of time to take some summer rides, talk more about winter prep, because by November 4th, if El Nino is really real. I'm sure we'll be getting some snow by then. Uh, we can talk about what we did for Halloween and it'll just, it's 40 weeks for you to get out there and do something, do that new project bike, uh, you know, get out there and do something sweet and be able to talk about it. And maybe this one will get you excited to talk about the next one. And maybe we'll check in with uh, some of the people we heard on this one. If we hear from anybody. So, uh, I know the big question you have is, are we going to hear an hour-long kazoo solo? And I'd like to briefly talk about the kazoo that I used, uh, that I'm going to penetrate your eardrums with. Basically, it's a Woodstock kazoo. It's an original American kazoo made of metal, and it's probably painted with lead. I'm probably going to die in the next couple of episodes. But it looks like, uh, for the most part, it was hand-beaten. It's got, like, two little lap joints. It's got a sweet little um, kind of a gold and red color scheme. And it says right here, dig this, guys. Not made in China, made in Eden, New York. So that got me wondering, what the hell? And so I I looked up Woodstock Kazoo. And basically, I I forget the guy's name. I'm not going to do a bunch of research on this guy and tell you about him. But I will say that... The gentleman that runs the Woodstock Instrument Company um, has like a bachelor's in music. No, no I'm sorry, bachelor's. He has, he's like a master's in music and a PhD, I want to say, in something like engineering or biomechanics or something like that, or physics. I think that's what it is. I think it's in physics because he absolutely wanted to make the best musical instruments that he <clears throat> Pardon me, that he could. So he has these like double doctorates, uh, one in music, one in physics, and I think one in mechanical engineering. So the guy's a nut, okay? And I can't tell you how stoked I was to see that this was made in New York. Um, Every single thing. The stamping says Eden. The box says Woodstock Percussion Incorporated, West Hurley, New York. Um, It was made in 1997, so if you're listening to this and you weren't born yet, um, this kazoo is older than you, obviously. And if you are listening and you were born yet, um, you were probably uh, out of high school and starting a family or getting into your first job, which was not making kazoos. But anyway, I thought that it's great. It says... uh, don't blow it. All you have to do is hum. So, I mean, it even gives you um, 
instructions on the back. So that's great. If you don't know how to work a kazoo, they're pretty fucking complicated. That's why the guy has a PhD in astrophysics and uh, music is because that's the two things that you have to have to really master the kazoo. So uh, right off the bat, I didn't want to totally waste like my all the beautiful music that I spent uh, hours making. Um, so I do want to go ahead and play some of it at least. Um, I don't want to, <clears throat> I don't want to play it while the submissions are rolling because, you know, I don't want to wreck anybody's, you know, if I'm talking and I play some music, yeah, you're not losing much, but, um, for clarity, I'm going to leave it not going while, uh, the cool people that who, who submitted are talking about their stuff. Um, I think we're just going to go in a first come first serve sort of thing and then I'll throw my hat in the ring there uh, somewhere and let's get it uh, going right now we're five minutes in let's not waste any more time let's hear let's hear a little bit of the sweet ass kazoo solo to lead us into the first um, submission Our first submission is coming from Paul, and Paul lives halfway between me and San Diego. I know I've, I've mentioned Paul before on the show. Uh, I would definitely consider Paul a very avid motorcyclist and recently a world traveler. And Paul and I have spoken offline, well, online via email uh, several times. And yeah, he's really like stimulated some ideas uh, in my head about the industry and motorcycling in general. And um, Right now, as of, as of this recording, he's unemployed, but he's not really. <laughs> Let's hear from Paul. So here is my contribution to Solstice Slam. I'm going to provide an inventory of my motorcycles. Uh, this is everything that I've, that I've currently got, uh, mostly in my garage. There's a few dirt bikes in the, in the shed out back. Uh, my first bike uh, is a 1994 uh, Honda VFR 750, the Interceptor. This is one of the, uh, what, what's referred to as the fourth generation VFRs. And I've had this one for about uh, 12 years or so, maybe a little bit more. And this is the bike that I primarily did my commuting on for, for those 12 years uh, back and forth. It's about a 70 mile commute each way. And this bike has 261,000 miles and change. Um, and after that, uh, when that bike hit about 150,000 miles, I think, I bought a 1997 VFR 750, same fourth generation model, looks basically the same. Um, but this one, I, uh, I didn't put a luggage on like I did with the 94, my first one. That's got a, a big 52-gallon or liter, 52-liter uh, trunk on the back, Givy trunk. Uh, and then uh, after that, I kind of went on a spree of, of buying VFRs. I have a 1994. Uh, what is this 1995 VFR 750 this one has some soft luggage on it the the saddlebags and the and the tail bag um, it's also uh, got a, a one of those uh, 
things to hold the phone on the front. And uh, let's see, over at my wife's house is a 19, another 1997 VFR that I bought shortly after that. That one's got, uh, the, the previous owner had painted it gray. Uh, I'm not sure why, he just he said he liked the color gray. Uh, and that one's geared a little bit shorter and it's got a, a really loud pipe on it too. Um, that one's up in my wife's house. I use that to uh, travel around when I'm at her house. And uh, let's see. And I also had I had another 1994 VFR 750. Uh, I I recently gave that to my nephew when he went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Um, so that that was that was my fifth VFR. But then so that one's gone. And then also in. Um, in the garage, I have my 2000 Yamaha VMAX. Uh, I love this bike. This is the bike that I always wanted as a kid. It's my second VMAX. I had an 85 um, a while ago, and then um, and that one sat for a while, and I wasn't riding it, and then I sold it, and then I kicked myself for not having a VMAX, so I, I found one a few years ago, and um, that was in good shape. So I bought that, and I love it for cruising around town. Then also in the garage, I have... Um, a 2011 Yamaha WR250R Dual Sport. Um, I bought this because as a family, we we're, were kind of getting a little bit more into dirt bikes and I was tired of having a bike that uh, had trouble with carburation depending on the elevation I was at. And this one is nice. It's liquid cooled, it's electric start, it's fuel injected, so it, it doesn't have any of the problems associated with a typical um, dirt bike. And then uh, not too long ago for Christmas last year, I bought my wife a 2014 KLX 140 uh, that she just loves. That one's also electric start. And then in the garage right now, I've got a XR80 that my wife was riding. Uh, it's like a 2000 or 2002, something like that. Uh, four speed and, and kickstart. And that's the one she learned how to ride um, or learn how to uh, use a clutch and, and shift on that one. Uh, before that, uh, she was on the 2003 KLX 110, which is a three-speed with no clutch. Um, we still have that one. My younger son rides that one now. He's, uh, he's not too into dirt bikes, but when we go out as a family, he'll, he'll ride that one around. He's just not interested in learning a clutch and, and getting all into it, so we just let him tool around on that. And then... Uh, out back in the tool shed, we've got um, my older son. He's got a 03 or 04 DRZ125 that he really likes. Um, but then also my old bike, uh, 1996 XR250, uh, which is, which I just absolutely love. It's a it's just a total bear. It's got uh, disc brakes front and rear, and and it's just I mean it's just unstoppable. But when I was going back and forth between here and Utah at the higher elevations, that one was just was such a problem with carburation. Um, uh, but the last time out at Johnson Valley, my my older son was driving that one around, so that was kind of neat to see him on uh, on my big bike. Uh, so that is the, the current inventory of my bikes. And that puts me just about six minutes. So that should do it for my contribution to Solstice Slam. So it was a pleasure providing this for you. And I can't wait for the next episode.
All right, thank you, Paul. Well, uh, a couple things there. Uh, a motorcycle with 200-something-plus thousand miles that is not a Toyota truck. Um, that is pretty awesome. Uh, I think that's great, and uh, I just I don't know what to say to that. That's, that, that's pretty amazing. I, I don't know if I've ever heard of anybody putting that many miles on one motorcycle that's not like a adventure traveler or something like that. Uh, the second thing, my wife's house. I have to say, Paul... Um, it sounds like you're going to be married for 573 years because uh, that is one way to stay married forever is to have a separate house than your spouse. Because for you and your motorcycles, you could have one. <laughs> and for your wife and obviously your other smaller bike, you'd have the other house. That's a great idea. I'm going to look into that. Um, and the third thing is when I saw Paul's uh, Facebook profile pic, I thought it was a joke because there's literally like five VFRs in a row or something like that, four or five of them. <laughs> I was like, what? But it's, uh, as you heard, it's true. He's a VFR, uh, VFRniac, Farniac on the dance floor. Woo. All right, let's get on to the next submission. This one comes to us from a gentleman named uh, Gene, and he lives down in San Diego. Never on Sunday. I had gotten out of the Navy a short time before Never on Sunday movie came out. I had bought a Honda 175, a heel-toe shifter in Japan, and brought it back to San Diego on the ship. My friend Kirk and I rode double on that cute little motorcycle and went to see the movie. It was the best movie we thought we had ever seen. After the movie was over, we were both on the motorcycle heading down El Cajon Boulevard. I was so excited. I hit the throttle so hard that a lot of weight on the rear end and did my first wheelie. The front wheel finally sat down, and I slowed down and drove safely home, still shaking. Thank you, Gene. Um, I, I never saw Never on Sunday. I saw On Any Sunday, but maybe uh, Never on Sunday came out before that. Um, Gene turned, he's turning 75 this weekend, I guess. So happy birthday to him. And a couple other things he mentioned in his email. He's got, a, he's got some good motorcycle stories, I guess, but that was just one of them. So, uh, yeah, maybe his uh, advanced age is... Uh, I think he's talking about on any Sunday. So, uh, sorry for the uh, the autocorrect, Gene. If that uh, if you did see a movie called Never on Sunday, then let me know. <laughs> Email the show. All right. Well, let's get on to the next uh, submission. And this comes. Well, I'll let him introduce himself. Hey there, uh, Creative Podcast listeners. Uh, my name 
is Aussie Chris and um, just checking in with you here uh, from Sydney, Australia, um, giving you some impressions of my motorbiking experience. Um, I haven't really been riding myself very long. I've only just got my first bike just at the end of last year. But I thought I'd let you know a bit about my initial impressions of motorbike riding and how I think it's kind of uh, shaped my mindset a bit. The first memory I have of motorbikes is when I was riding uh, my BMX down the local bit of bush near where I grew up. Um, we used to build jumps and berms and tear around them on our on our bush bikes. Um, one afternoon, um, whilst there with a group of friends, we were all probably about five, six years old, um, this roar of trail bikes came flying through our area. There was probably about three or four of them. And I remember the bike at the back had a pillion passenger and he was holding an axe up above his head. Um, they all were in their helmets and gear and looked incredibly menacing. Um, needless to say, the experience absolutely scared the shit out of me. And for years after that, every time I heard a two-stroke engine, I would think of that experience and feel fear. However, that sort of turned to fascination, I guess, over the years and... Um, I was constantly wanting to try riding a motorbike for myself. However, I had an extremely strict Dutch mother who would not entertain the idea one bit. So I pretty much went through all my teen years without really getting the opportunity to explore motorbike riding. And it took me until the ripe old age of... 45 what I am now to actually develop the courage to go off and decide myself that the time was right that I needed to learn to ride a motorbike and make it part of my life so it's taken me many years and my dear old mother um, still disapproves but now I'm realizes she really doesn't have much choice in control and the matter anymore so I bought myself a BMW GS650 Dakar and I've been loving it to bits basically if I'm not riding it I'm thinking of riding it um, if I have to commute to work I am trying to use the bike if I can't because of work restrictions I'll drive but that's when I listen to creative riding podcasts so still managed to bring in motorbiking into my car journeys it's um yeah been great listening to this podcast too by the way i've picked up lots of bits of information and it's really helped me establish a bit of uh, affinity with the the culture of motorbiking um and it's an aspect of of motorbiking that that i really really enjoy so um Good on your buck and keep up the good work. All right, peace out.
right, all right. I just wanted you guys to think that maybe you were going to hear uh, Kazoo Solo for the next hour. Um, so thanks, Chris. Um, yeah, I did not have a Dutch mother uh, who wouldn't let me ride, but I had the worst mother of all, which was poverty, <laughs> that wouldn't let me ride. Oh, hang on. Yeah, I had to get that solo in there. All right, so everything Chris just said affirmed to me that Mad Max is totally 100% possible because if you watch um, not the first Mad Max, but the Road Warrior, where everybody has axes and bows and arrows, then it sounds exactly like what Chris uh, experienced with his first, uh, let's call him a, a group of motorbikers. Um, yeah, no, I think that's great. And I really, uh, we've had some off-air conversations too uh, regarding the licensing system and stuff. I I wasn't exactly sure how it worked, so he clued me in. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to, to hear about his future travels and I wish him luck. I think he's going to go for his provisional license or whatever. So, all right, let's get to the next submission here. Blah, blah, blah. there it's slade and stretch from the stock is for squares podcast how are y'all hey stretch what's up what's brown and rhymes with snoop mm. dr dre <laughs> what <laughs> how does uh i mean why does snoop dog need an umbrella for drizzle <laughs> you got one yes why does snoop dog dude funny story about that joke in particular <laughs> one day i was in church and a guy got up and said that exact joke at church at church i want to come to everybody church. i know <laughs> church is rocking about snoop okay dog. but wait there's more what does uh how does snoop dog clean his car how with his hose. Oh. <laughs> and how does Snoop Dogg wash his underwear? Bleach. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now that we're done with our terrible jokes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You have, a, yeah, you have yeah, something yeah, you want to yeah. tell the listeners of creative writing, don't yeah. you? Yeah, hi, creative writing listeners. We got real microphones. This is our we first do. time using we them. We do. We haven't even used them on our own podcast. We're going to try sounding better. Much better. Yeah. I kind of wanted to talk about... Does the best looking motorcycle or the coolest motorcycle get you the girl? Because I know you all think that. I think that. <laughs> like, back in the day, I was just like, I'm married now. So, I mean, I'm kind of out of the game. But <laughs> in my mind, I was always like, if I had the coolest car or the coolest bike, like, I just had this vision of just the ladies flocking to me, right? Yep. Have a panty dropper, as they say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I have so. <laughs> I had some experiences along the way where I realized my instincts of having the coolest thing did not really bring the women and it, having the worst things actually did. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. I had been told by several of the ladies that they like the guys that drive the beaters and I'm sure it applies to motorcycles too. Mm -hmm. Plus it kind of weeds out the gold diggers. I mean, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it's, 
I've had a bunch of junky cars and it had nothing to do with the ladies, but yeah. <laughs> more my bank account. <laughs> it's true. It happens yeah. to all of us. But yeah. you do have that mindset a lot of times mm-hmm. where you think this is going to attract people and be awesome because I have all this money into this vehicle, mm-hmm. whether it's a motorcycle or a car or a big old truck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so bringing up one of my stories one day I go to this concert. It was probably my first concert. I think it was Sugar Cult. Ooh, oh, a uh, good one. Yeah, good it was all right. Time. Yeah, Sugar Cult. And I go there with my buddy Zach. And after we leave, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. We were having a good time. Punch some was, kids. I was, may have punched some kids. <laughs> Things were awesome. And we get in this car, and it's like a 93 Nissan Sentra. Oh. Like the same car my mom had when I was a child. Oh, yeah. I and think was his just, brother jumped that, and he told yes, that story on Yes, he did. Yeah. The car had some air. Anyway, we get in it, and it's like blowing smoke and stuff. The back end of it's all covered in oil. It's got <laughs> head gaskets blowing and all this stuff. Yep. And we're cruising along, and I'm just like, hey, we should try to find some ladies, you know? <laughs> like, Why not? So we're cruising down State Street. Dude, you don't cruise for ladies on State Street. Let me get to a point. <laughs> Let me make my point first. Yes, oh, <laughs> State Street hoes are never good hoes. <laughs> <laughs> but we're cruising down. We pull up next to this blonde chick. I was like, why not? Roll it down. So I roll down the window, and then I give her the little, the roll down the window sign. You move that, do that little circular motion. That Back in the day when there was uh, a <laughs> hand rolling of the windows. Yeah, that would be Nowadays, when you do, like, do the little click motion with your finger. <laughs> yeah. That could also be taken wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But anyway, I hope all you out there in podcast land can see what I'm doing with my hands. Um, so Never she rolls down the again. window. Yeah, I won't. She <laughs> rolls down the window, and I was like, hey, what's up? She's like, oh, not much, you know, hanging out, <laughs> driving. <laughs> Duh, you know. I was just like, I didn't know what else to say, so I was like, what's your number? And she just gave it to me. Sentra it was awesome. power. Sentra, yeah. And I've had a number of other times like that where it didn't matter what I was in. Mm-hmm. But it was just like, and not to the fact that it hid my 6'10"-ness as well. So people <laughs> yeah. thought I was normal looking, you yeah. know, whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, having the, the nicest car or the nicest motorcycle doesn't always get the ladies. Yeah. So how did we apply that to my motorcycles though? Because I think it's even more difficult to define on a motorcycle because a lot of ladies that have no interest in motorcycles Mm -hmm. here's here's the thing with girls and motorcycles if you can roll up on a motorcycle and a girl gets excited and wants to get on the back of it she's a keeper okay if she says i don't think so she wasn't for you well do you know this person beforehand it doesn't matter it doesn't get on because that's Anybody, <laughs> just anybody. If they're if they're not about motorcycles, they're too scared to get on motorcycles. When you marry them or continue to date them, you think they're going to continue to want you to be on a motorcycle? Oh, not at all. All right, but here we've talked about my wife before. She likes me, mm-hmm. and uh, she bit. is horrified of motorcycles. Really? Like, yeah. I uh, so when we were teenagers dating and stuff, I used to race dirt bikes, mm-hmm. and uh, she would come 
watch me and you know i'd show off and i won a couple times and you know oh i know so, so she liked <laughs> she liked it and um she was attracted to it she liked me and my gear you know that kind of stuff i even bought her a dirt bike after we were married never left second gear mm-hmm. and like low second gear it was like 85 <laughs> nice scared her to death I've since gotten into street bikes. I've got an FZ09. She won't get on it. I wouldn't get on the back of that either. But she still likes me, and she lets me do it. This is You've true. been on the back of my FZ09. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that like we're gay. <laughs> Not that there's any problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whatever. Um, so what we're saying is, even though this she might true. be afraid of it, yeah. if they like the idea of it, it's okay. Stockers for Square guys, I have a couple questions. So I think it was Stretch that said, you know, he was out of the game at now. But uh, are you, in in Utah? Are you ever out of the game? I thought you guys just like added to the herd of the wife herd there. So uh, that's my first question. Um, the second one is girls don't know beaters, and that's true. Uh, I was driving with my wife once, and we saw this like totally clapped out um, Nissan two uh, 240SX, like a fair lady, and it was like, uh, oh dude, it was like missing rear bumper covers. It just, it literally just had the reinforcement. It was all slammed and lowered with like some crazy nice wheels, but everything else from the rocker panels up was just like tore to shit, and it was, I don't know, like four different colors all primered it looks like they maybe uh tried to like drift like it was their drift car or something like that and they were practicing and bashing into shit all the time and she thought it was a delorean she looked over and she um she asked me honestly and sincerely if it was a delorean so yeah girls don't know cars um and girls that are car junkies uh yeah you won't get them because they're probably driving like an ac cobra every day or something um, the second thing is State Street. I, I need to know about this street and the State Street hose. And the third thing is, you're not gay if you ride pillion. That's how I rode for the first uh, few years that I rode motorcycles. Um, actually, it was ATVs. Like I said, uh, p- poverty was a cold, hard bitch. And um, I couldn't afford, well, my family couldn't afford motorcycles, but my neighbor had about 3,000 of them. Uh, and so when I first started riding, yeah, I rode on the back first of the Honda 110 ATC baby, and then, uh, whatever other dirt bikes you got. So yeah, when I first started riding, uh, I wasn't, I was just, uh, basically hanging on back. So, all right, well, let's get on to the, uh, second part of the stock versus squares. They kind of split theirs up nicely to uh, cut it in half. So let's get on to the second part of their, uh, little submission here. What do you do when you ride? Because there's a number of different riders out there. There are hundreds. There's so, and there's different genres too. Like if you go into dirt bike riding, there's that guy that wheelies through the campground all day. Yeah, and doesn't do anything else. <clears throat> Tony. <laughs> and then there's you know your street bike guys, where you got the guys that are like 
super ADD and they're on their cruisers, but they're like sitting on their handlebars and then sitting on the back fender and then Mitch. doing 360s <laughs> on the seat and stuff because they just get so bored. Yep. And then there's people that are just like, I just want to sit there, put my hat on straight with my big fairing and just ride for miles and miles and it's all happy. But, the Larrys. Yeah, what kind of rider are you? So we've got the Tonys, the Mitches, and the Larrys. <laughs> yes. So far. Yeah, so there's also... The scaredy cats. Scaredy cats? He's scaredy cats. There's scaredy cats out there. Yeah. Which okay. isn't necessarily a bad thing. I've got this side but question. when you get sketchy, then it makes it sketchy for everyone. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You got to be uh, loosey-goosey mm-hmm. in a manner of speaking. Um, have you ever seen someone on a really expensive bike go fast? Not unless they're at a racetrack. Yeah, me neither. Like I saw... I've seen like BMW, those, what are those, S1000RRs, some Ducatis. It seems like the guys that are going really fast are like on the little bikes, like 250s. That's true, because they're riding riding it to its potential, right? Riding that bike to its. They're not taking it so seriously. Full potential. Yeah. And the guys on the other bikes with the power, they're probably scared. I'd be scared. Yeah. Who when you got 200 like over horsepower. 200 horsepower on a one going to one wheel, like they, they can get hairy. That's just silly. Yeah. That's when you become a scaredy cat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, those are some things to think about. Yeah. Without getting into depth. The rider I want to be is your laid back, easy going rider, but I have a really hard time with it because. <laughs> I'm super ADD as well, yeah. and so it's like I like sitting on the back seat, and then my butt gets numb all the time. Like, I have a nice Mustang seat, and I mean, it's no Corbin seat or whatever, but it's it's a pretty nice seat on my Vulcan, and I just, but I just can't sit there forever. I got to move around, yeah. get uncomfortable, stuff like that, and then that brings up another good point, because I, I want to buy a Duke 690. Yeah. Because I want to step up my wife's bike to that Duke 690, and yeah. that would be awesome to have. But I know for a fact it's gonna—I'm gonna go numb so quick. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. See, my problem—the type of rider I am—is yeah. Ideally, I would like to be straight shooter, like don't mess around, take it seriously. Because when I'm sitting here, I do—I take it seriously. If I get on the bike, for example, the other morning I had to take my bike to work. Mm-hmm. And it's before the sun comes up. It's 29 degrees outside. I bundled up best I could, but I was still freezing. Yeah. I still went 110. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I can't. So, And we wonder why the cops harass us. Well, I don't wonder why. I'm just tired of it. <laughs> I'm just tired of it. Just stop. I'm just going to speed no matter what. Yeah. I, can I just get a punch card? <laughs> yeah. No, just, just a prepaid punch card. Just pay $1,000 hey, to idea. the DMV every year. After the economy collapses and we go back to... Uh, you know, martial law. Yeah. I'm going to issue punch cards to my uh, subordinates. Very nice. Yep. Yeah. I, I just assume I'll be in charge in that situation. Mm-hmm. So, Whoever has the biggest gun. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so when I'm riding, a lot of times I get into this habit where I start cautioning myself about stuff like watch out for this don't do this watch out for this and then i start getting really negative mm-hmm. like dude if i hit that curb right now or if i hit a big pothole right now or if that truck stopped in front of me right now which is kind of good things to think but it, it like it escalates till you're like i'm gonna die <laughs> like there's so many things that can kill me yep. and it's just 
it ruins the ride. And so I've noticed that if I put on a podcast and I have something else to think about. Or music. Or no, music doesn't do it for me. Because I, I can't, I don't think about the music all the time. Because I got that ADD thing going on oh, where yeah. it's like something starts. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is good. And all of a sudden I'm like off thinking about something else. Uh, and so if I have a podcast or something that I'm engaged in, I can stay focused on the road. But I'm a lot more loose and I can flow better. But if I just let my mind free fall about thinking about stuff, (laughs) like I can become that scaredy cat, really sketchy rider. Okay. So that's the thing. And I I hate to fall into. So it's like having headphones, something to distract me to keep, keep my cool. Like that really helps big time. Yeah. All right. So this, uh, this little clip that we're going to be sending in is going to be super ADD. Is this what it's like inside your mind all the time? <laughs> yeah. Basically. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that is super creepy. Anyway, we creative writing, we love you. Keep yep. up the good work. Yep, and thanks for your help giving us suggestions. Um, if you want to check out our podcast, Creative Writing Listeners, where stock is for squares, you can find us on anything. But uh, no pressure. This is, no I'm not pressure. trying to be shameless self-promotion. We're but on just a Facebook and all that jazz too. So yeah. stock is for squares. That's what it is. So look it up. Make it yours. All right. more minutes and this would have been the stockers for square show <laughs> thank you guys so much for uh submitting that that was great and your mics sound awesome by the way i'm sure we'll be hearing from each other uh, more in the future and uh, i'm excited to see what you guys are going to be on uh listening listening to your last podcast sounds like you got some big news on the way all right well and uh, I certainly enjoyed making some really shitty music. This song that is on right now is just me uh, on my cigar box, one of my cigar box guitars. And uh, it was really fun throwing together some shit for the show. Uh, all right, let's go to uh, one more submission. This is from a kid I know and love very much. So, what what do you like about motorcycles and what don't you like about motorcycles? Well, I like about motorcycles that they have two seats. Don't they come with bunk beds? They do come with bunk beds. Oh, wow. And what I don't like about motorcycles is you need to be a certain age and I might just fall off when I get older. Yeah. Well, you know what it, about falling off? Um, do you think you would wear the, all the protective gear all the time? What about your body? Well, if you wear like proper riding gear, you uh, won't get hurt as bad if you fall off. You might might just say, ow, and just get back up, and that's it. Uh, I don't know. 
So if you start riding, would you wear your helmet all the time? And would you would you wear like a padded jacket and some padded pants? Yes. Just like when you go roller skating or riding your bicycle? Yeah. Yeah. You know they make that stuff for kids? What? Yeah, they make motorcycle gear for kids. Did you know little kids your age are already riding motorcycles? What? I'm serious. Really? Mm-hmm. Does that make you like them more or not like them more? I would just say that's amazing. That is pretty amazing. Thank you for telling me what you do and what you don't like about motorcycles. The end. Well, that's my lovely little girl. She uh, recently turned six. She's going to be my daredevil. And uh, my son is going to be the stunt man because he's always fallen down. So, yeah, she's already into riding. And um, she puts around on a little electric scooter that, I don't know, it probably goes about t- t- 30 miles an hour, 25 miles an hour. And she's really good on it. Um, immediately, first time I ever put her on it, just took off. Um, same with the bicycle. So this kid, not doing too good on roller skates, but... Uh, got this two-wheel thing down so i'm super excited for her and when me and the moms decide that it's okay she's gonna be on a bike so all right well i'm gonna i'm gonna give you some uh blabbage from me but first i want to throw out a song has nothing to do with motorcycles but uh who cares it's my my podcast i can do what i want to right so (laughs) i wrote the song like over 10 years ago so um I re- I recorded it last night for the show. All right. Hope you enjoy.
<laughs> All right. Yes, cigarettes, the cigarettes that taste like chicken. Um. All right. Well, you know what? Uh, there's only one person left who hasn't chimed in uh, on this whole solstice slam thing with a lame story, and this is somebody that has a lame story every week, and that's me. <laughs> so, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you uh, something that I probably wouldn't save for the show um, that happened to me, motorcycle related. And it all goes back to, uh, let me think of when it started. So it was May of last year, 2015. Um, I had ordered some pants off of this uh, site called Amazon. And the company was called, I don't know if I should call them out. I'm going to because uh, their customer service was... uh, I don't know. I'm just going to tell you who it is, and this is my opinion. This does not reflect on the store. Uh, this is solely my experience, so hopefully that covers my ass. Um, the, the company was Leather Bull and uh, Frontier Cycle. I think they're the, it's like the same company. And I ordered some pants, and uh, I actually had ordered a bunch of stuff, but the pants were the only things I ordered from them. I ordered the um, Dogs of War from... Shit, uh, speed and strength, I think. And basically, everything else I had ordered boots from a company. I'd ordered, I'd ordered um, some uh, riding like shin guards and knee guards and stuff like that. Um, so what happened is basically the this is the first time I had ever uh, worked with Leather Bowl or ordered from Leather Bowl, and so I uh, didn't know what to expect. Now everything else came on or before the date that it was going to be there and amazon had this cool little thing where you could track your package and it had like a little timeline and it shows you exactly when it's going to get there god damn my fucking phone all right we're back i silenced that shit um but anyway so yeah amazon had this as this cool little thing and obviously you know you track your package all the other ones on the little meter were like in transit and they showed up on or before the time that uh, they said they would, except for this one, uh, and it kept getting closer and closer and closer. And then all of a sudden, the day came, the last day, because it said it'd be there in like seven days or something, or ten days. I forget what it was. It was it was a few days though, and um, it came. And the last, my wife said Amazon will deliver till like seven or eight, and I think they've come to our house before till nine. And nine o'clock came. Nothing happened. I'm pretty sure they wouldn't deliver after nine unless it was a freaking drone with two hour delivery. Um, and I'm not that guy. So yeah, it didn't come. So I even waited a couple days because that was a Friday and I didn't think I was going to get a hold of anybody over the weekend. So I waited till like Monday or Tuesday to contact them. And I did. And uh, so basically, um, when I contacted them, it said, hey, you know, we're sorry regarding your order. We apologize for the delay. I'm not sure you got the message that I sent on um, the 15th, which was, they did not, that's the day it was supposed to have arrived. And I had ordered it like on the 3rd or something. I think it was, it was like a 10 day thing where, uh, you know, it was, it was going to be there within 10 days. Um from when I ordered it, it wasn't like a, a week thing. So, um, yeah, so it had been at the point that I got this email, it had been like two weeks already or three weeks since I had actually ordered it. 
And they did not ma- email me the day that uh, they said they did because that's the actual day that it was supposed to have arrived. So there, there be a, how you know I don't know why I wouldn't have got that email, but I got this one that they sent me, and it said you know they apologize for it. Not sure if you received the message we sent. We are about to ship your pants when, upon inspection, our shipping department noticed the pants seams were coming out on the left leg. Um, we didn't want to ship you the item in this condition. So we contacted our supplier to ship you another one, and they told me they're waiting for a container to arrive between tomorrow and the upcoming week. Um, they're gonna, they were gonna ship me the pants after the container arrived and give me a 10% partial refund. So, okay, well, between tomorrow and the next week, so that means I have at least a freaking week to wait, right? So, um. Yeah, so I just emailed him back and said I didn't get the message, but thanks for following up. I thought that was nice, and 10% would be great. And then I just said, give me an ETA. And they were, they were really nice. Whoever it was that was um, dealing with the customers was really, really nice, actually, and said, no problem. So, uh, god dang, like a week later after that. So now it's like... Uh, I'm going to say three weeks at this point. What's the date on my email? Yeah, I had been through. I ordered the pants, like I said, on like the second uh, or sometime between the second and the fifth. And on the 28th, I finally emailed him back and said, hey, uh, you guys know, have you heard anything? Um, and they emailed me back and said, yeah, we, we spoke with the supplier and they say there's a delay with the manufacturer. And... Uh, I can ship them late this week or early next week, okay? And then they're going to knock my my um, refund down to 13%. It's all right. Well, shit. Oh, I really wanted to go riding in some new pants. Um, I was lost a little bit of weight uh, and wanted to, you know, something that actually wasn't baggy. So... Okay, cool. I waited again till early the next week. And I said, hey, wait a sec. Instead of waiting now for, since it's it's a month now. Wait, this is, I emailed them the 28th. Okay, I emailed them on the 9th. So I waited like the, the week that they wanted or whatever. So this is the 9th of the next month. Uh, this is one month after I've placed the initial order, keep in mind. And I said, listen, I don't care about that color. I wanted some black ones. I said, do you have the camo green ones? Just send me those instead. And keep the refund if you can just send me those. At this point, uh, just throw in a pair of cheap gloves. And I'll give you a five-star rating on Amazon since it was the supplier's issue and not theirs. And they said, oh, we don't have a pair of the green color. But yeah, we'll throw in some fingerless gloves. And I was like, fingerless gloves? What am I going to do? Have a fucking breakdancing party or something? Fingerless gloves? That'll do me good for picking my nose. And that's about it. So, uh, I said, okay, well, fine, size medium gloves. I'll take the fucking gloves, and I'll take the refund. So, they said, okay, we'll give you the refund, and we'll put some fingerless gloves in your package. So, I figured I could resell the fingerless gloves. Then I looked at their fingerless gloves, and they're all of, like, five fucking bucks. So, uh, I'm glad I did not um, wait. So, now, okay, I placed the initial order on... May the I'm gonna say fifth. I've I'm can't remember the exact day, but I think it was the fifth. On June uh 
on July 1st, I said, hey, I'm going to um, basically pull the order on this. What did I say? I have to pull the plug on this order. I submitted the order 48 days ago, and it was supposed to arrive over 30 days ago. And the supplier delay has passed the 30-day mark, and I can't wait anymore. And I'm sorry that they didn't get a shipment out to you yet, but please let me know what you need to do a refund. And they said, they emailed me back kind of rude uh, with like a big capital, like screaming, hi. And then it says, these were leaving on Friday from the supplier, but um, I'll go ahead and cancel it for you anyway. And I'll honor a partial discount on any future orders. And I was like, dude, they were not going out Friday. There, this is such a funny, and because it was like Thursday that I emailed them, so I was like, "There's no way that like the day I finally canceled the order, they were going out the next day." It's kind of a childish thing, like, "Well, fine, you know, like you don't want it, we 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 don't give it to you," you know. Like, I just felt it was kind of funny, and then I looked them up on their reviews, and actually, there was so many reviews of people that had the same sort of. problems with them and it, uh, so many people were giving him five star reviews and then their review actually said yeah i haven't actually got my blank 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 like vest gloves pants whatever it was i haven't actually got my product yet but i'm giving them a five star review because they've been so nice and they said that they would give me a discount when i get the item i'm so looking forward to working with you guys thanks and shit like that like all of it and then, like, further down, there was still more of those, still more of those. And then there was follow-ups to those that said, geez, Louise, like, 60 days later, or I paid and never got my product. Oh, these guys are awful. Oh, I paid. And it was, like, the same people that had, like, months before given them five-star reviews. And then, like, three months goes by. Dude, for some of you guys, that's a riding season. You know what I mean? If you were, like, on the East Coast, you got three good freaking months where it's not too hot and not too cold to ride. And, like, that's it. So there goes your whole riding season waiting for whatever new... Uh, piece of equipment you're waiting for but I was like dude these are just pants you know I'm not gonna wait around so I ordered it from somebody else on Amazon and got it within like six days and that was like not paying for extra shipping or anything so yeah 48 days later I decided to pull the plug and um totally not worth it and and my wife orders like every single thing she gets off amazon she has prime she has no problems she so it's free shipping and free returns so i don't order enough stuff off of there to justify that and i guess if i did i could just order it from her account but you know what i told my wife pretty soon all the stores around here are going to close there's a lot of cycle shops around here and stuff like that and uh, they're all going to be gone because there's just going to be Amazon warehouses up here pretty soon if we don't start buying at the local, you know, the local schmokel. I have no problem buying stuff online, actually. I mean, I bought all my stuff online, and so far the stuff that I've got has fit great and um, has worked out, and I haven't had any problems. And if I needed to return something, I guess, you know, I would just have to wait a couple more weeks to ship it back and then get another one so but my whole thing is support your local economy it kind of goes back to what i said a few uh couple episodes ago about supporting your local racetrack and stuff like that even if you're not part of that scene and i was thinking about the next time i go in for a pair of pants or a helmet or something i am probably just gonna go down to the local 
place and try one on, see what their prices are, and, uh, you know, support, give them my money because you can actually try the thing on, see how it fits, see how it feels, um, and not get burned by ordering like a helmet or something online or something that's on closeout and then like having it fit like shit, having to Craigslist it for a portion of the price that you paid for it and then start all over again doing it doing it again or shipping it back and getting the next size up or whatever you need so yeah i think the next time i go shopping for gear i'm gonna go in there's cycle gears all over socal and for those of you guys that aren't rural uh, i understand that some people it's just way more convenient to ship uh to your house and stuff like that and uh, I understand that, and it's really nice to... It's almost like getting a present rather than going to a store and picking something out for yourself. You know you ordered it, but you're so excited when it comes to open that box rather than walking in the store and shopping them. But I'm going to do that next time. I'm going to... Just because I, you know, I don't want to deal with another leather bowl, you know, something like that happening. So, all right. Rant over. And uh, for that, for that matter... Solstice Slam, over. I hope you've enjoyed it. And thank you, everybody, for submitting. We got a whole hour out of this, so uh, it went a lot better than I thought it would. And, um, yeah. See you in episode 40. Get your stories ready. Uh, start sending them in whenever you can. I don't, you know, I don't care if you are inspired by this and send me one in next week. Um, I'll save it till episode 40. Or, not episode 40, uh, 40 more weeks. I don't know what episode that'll be, 60-something probably. So, all right. Well, guys, uh, peace out. Uh, get your wanger behind some A-pangers and uh, get out there and ride. Later. Later.